welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast where we dig into the paranormal and try to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. I'm Chad. And I'm Eli. And this week, we're coming at you with hauntings, but not just any old hauntings, hauntings of the hotel variety. That's right. You go and you stay at a hotel. Who's watching you? Of course, besides the hotel staff. but Or whoever hit a camera in the room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've gotten a hell of a show. <laughs> They're blinded after they watch mine. There was one time Dave and I stayed in a hotel and we were laying on the bed and we look up and there's this hole in the ceiling that somebody had shoved like tissues in. So we reached up there and pulled the tissues down and we're like, Eh, we shoved it all back up. <laughs> it was probably just a bullet hole. It could have very well been. Who knows? Yeah. It, it was. Well, was that the. Damn. <laughs> what hotel are you guys staying at? The Crown Plaza in Dallas. Yeah. Oh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. But I'd like to introduce a think piece by Stephen King, the king of horror. Hotel rooms are just naturally creepy places, don't you think? I mean,. How many people have slept in that bed before you? How many of them were sick? How many were losing their minds? How many were perhaps thinking of reading a few final verses from the Bible in the drawer of the nightstand beside them and then hanging themselves in the closet beside the TV? In any case, let's check in, shall we? You rang... All right, Chad, you're going to take us across the pond. Yeah, we're going to start on good old England. Jolly old England? Jolly old England. Uh, I had the Ancient Ram Inn. Actually, it's just called the Ram Inn. It's just called Ancient because it was created in, or created, it was built in 1145. <laughs> Somebody went poof. Yeah. <laughs> poof. Ha ha. Uh, it was built in 1145. Um, it was originally built to house the slaves and the workers who were building the St. Mary's Church across the street. Uh, and over time, it then became the deacon's home for the church. Um, and it been through hundreds of hands up until John Humphreys purchased it, I believe, in 1960. In itself, was actually supposedly built on an ancient pagan ritual site. Um, so that is also that's believed to be part of why. It, it's got all this activity. Um, it's also it's considered the most haunted place in all of England, and it is. And ancient pagans would be the druids. The druids. And let's see, the building is actually is a, also it was a pub at one point. It's located in Watton under Edge. It's a market town within the Stroud, within the Stroud district of Gloucestershire, England. Um, John Humphreys, who was the current owner up until 20, uh, 2017 when he passed away. Um, now I believe his daughter owns it. Um, he bought it and moved his family in there. Um, the first night he was in there, um, he had his bed in which would have been like kind of like a dining area of um, the pub and everything uh, that he turned into a house. Uh, the first night he had his bed in there and he was just sleeping there and had this weird sensation and this weird dream about a child um, and then woke up to something grabbing his ankles, like put the pull, ripping the covers off and grabbing his ankles, uh, and then no, no, no. ripped him out of bed. Like it actually pulled him out of oh his bed onto the God. ground. Hell 
hell to the no. Um, and then it like as he got up and tried to get away, it like pinned him, like, grabbed him by the throat, and pinned mm-hmm. him against the wall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I get um, an early checkout? <laughs> <laughs> um, and surprisingly, he still moved his whole family, and he was living there by himself at this point. He he was moving things over while his family was still in their old house. This is a ballsy motherfucker. Um, I just have to say, like, I still do not sleep with my feet hanging off the bed <laughs> because I have that child. He had fear. covers. They just took the covers off and grabbed his feet. Fudge, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, later on, he actually decided he had this feeling he had to dig up underneath where his, that bed was. Um, Why? And now this is where the story kind of gets twisted throughout the story, you know, time it's being told. Um, originally, some contractors came and broke up the concrete and dug up some ground. Others say it was actually paranormal investigators, but there were two bo- uh, skeletons found. Um, also, the stories say it was either two children or it was a mother and a child. Um, with the bodies were also two broken ceremonial daggers, so it's believed they were killed in like a sacrifice or a ritual sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and it tends to be one of the most haunted rooms in the ho- er, in the inn. Um, also, with this inn, and with the also in history of this building, um, back when they were doing witch hunts and witch trials and stuff in England, um, this young woman who was claimed to be a witch, she was trying to heal this sick child. Um, the child still passed away, but she was using, you know, herbs and stuff like that, and the mother of the child claimed she was a witch and put a spell on her son and killed her son. And so the whole township started hunting her. She went to the inn where she had been staying. The uh, innkeeper saw her come in, saw, you know, knew she was panicked, and she was just like, don't tell anyone I'm here. And she ran up to her room. Townspeople came in. Innkeeper said, no, there's no one here. It's just me tonight. Don't have any guests. So they came up and they asked her which room what was her room. And they went up to her room, and she was hiding underneath the bed. And this is all stories told down, so, you know, you can believe it or you don't believe it. But uh, mm-hmm. the stories were supposedly, as she was telling the innkeep before she did get captured, when she was hiding underneath the bed, she felt this weird presence and, like, an evil presence, and it felt like she it was scratching her when she was underneath the bed. So she's trying to hold it in not to be scared. As they're searching her room, uh, they leave the room. She crawls out from underneath the bed and feels. In this story, they say she sees this like gooey, oozing substance coming from underneath the bed, coming towards her, and she's freaking out. And she actually starts banging on the window, screaming for help because she couldn't get the door open. So the townsfolk see her, come and grab her, and then take her and burn her down the street, um, burn her for being a witch. Um, supposedly she still haunts a room and they call it the witch's room. Um, it's kind of like a crimson room. Um, there's re- uses red blankets and stuff. There's two like twin beds maybe um, in the room. And there's actually like knife marks and the cuts in the sheets. And supposedly it does happen over the nights. The ghost will it's like it's like someone's looking for something and like stabbing the sheets. Uh, supposedly, that, <laughs> supposedly so, that's where the so don't stay in that room. From. So, so supposedly it's never hurt anybody. But like when there's no one in the room, so the sheets are changed, these, and then they still do that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that he just leaves them on there now as a oh, 
Um, it's place has become a tourist attraction for ghost hunters and, and uh, paranormal investigators. I want to go there. Um, hundreds of uh, investigating crews go there throughout the year. Um, John Humphreys left it open for that um, after his family grew up and moved away. He stayed there, kept it going, and just brought in investigators after investigators. Um, he is a hoarder, so if you ever see pictures of this place or videos, it is just stacked with junk. Some cool junk, but junk. Um, in the hotel, there's also a, or in, there's also a room they call the bishop's room, and it's where the church bishop lived. Um, it is also supposed to be one of the really haunted rooms. Does he it fondle little children? No, at least they didn't say anything about that. So in the bishop's room, uh, John Humphreys actually won't even enter the building. Of course he can't. He's dead now. <laughs> he wouldn't enter the bishop's room without... He had a cane he left uh, sitting next to the room, and he would grab it and knock three times and ask if he can come in. And he said he refused to go in other than that because he felt such an evil presence. And then also in the attic, there's been a lot of activity. Uh, most paranormal investigators that go there do catch some sort of phenomenon, and a lot of them believe it's demonic activity, not uh, just restless spirits. Um, they say you, once you enter the building, you have this dense, you have a thickness in the air around you. It just feels like someone's trying to do harm to you. Now this, and I mean, nothing's really been done to it since 11.45. It looks old, and they haven't done much to upkeep it. There's also a the go uh, the witch's cat, which is supposedly seen still haunting the building as well. Um, you'll see it run past, and there's quite a few actual. I think it's on uh, one of the YouTube pages you can go to where they investigate it. You actually see they're laying on the witch's bed, and you just see this black shadow crawl up around, kind of by his arm, and then dart off. Um, oh, wow. in the video, it's kind of cool. Ghost kitty. Yep, and Ghost Kitty. Could it have been a cat that was scratching her under the bed? Could have been. The cat was supposed to be hers, though, so... Oh. But the um, cat was supposedly her familiar, but these are all stories that are kind of handed down over decades and centuries, and so who knows really what happened. Yeah, it makes more sense to the story for it to be her familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it adds to the creepy value of it. Yeah. And, the, like, the house is... When, you watch the videos and stuff like that as people walk through the house it just creaks and cracks um, actually where they dug up the two bodies is they left it uncovered and they put like a little wooden cross there and it's kind of a remembrance I also think that's more just for the aesthetics to freak people out more of like a tourism thing um, and a lot of people who come here actually fi- try to come out and try to antagonize the ghost um Paranormal activity, or as we call the douchebag bros, or what do we call the douche bros? Uh, uh, the, the ghost bros. Ghost bros. I call it the douchebag show. The ghost bros. <laughs> they go in and have like a san- satanic ritual done before they go in there. Um, on one of these, I saw the uh, the ghost hunters dressed as city workers in their bright vests and stuff, and we're coming and talking about tearing things down and remodeling it and stuff like that, trying to get some activity going. Um, and I'm sorry if a place seems like it's a demonic activity. The last thing I want to do is antagonize it. Well, yeah. I still am so anti that that whole method of investigations because 
I just feel it's completely disrespectful. You know? I mean... And I'm just not to the dead, but even to the living. Yeah, I mean, it's you're just acting like an asshole. Like... Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you get what you put out. Well, you do. I mean, you're going to so. get more activity doing that. So if your goal is to get bigger activity... But you're going to get bigger the evil, activity, malicious you're, activity Yeah, you're going to you get the, the hateful ghosts. I prefer the nice, you know, maybe tug here, poke here. Eli's looking for that ghostly tug. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. <laughs> but no, that's that's one of my big pet peeves is the people who no comment. go to a ghost hunt or ghost yeah. investigation and antagonize the ghosts. And I think that's what my biggest issue is with, with, uh, the, ghost bros. with the ghost bros in, is that. Is that that they antagonize the ghosts just to get reactions out of them. And I mean, it would be like if you were walking down the street and you just kept going up to people and then you freaked out and got mad at them when they attacked, they got back up in your face. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's the same, same kind of concept. Like, like the prank videos. Yeah. Or like the jump scare videos. Yeah. And then they get surprised when they get punched in the face. Why are you <laughs> mad at me, man? Well, it's just, just a prank. It's, it's just, just a joke. With you. Yeah. So with the ranch the ranchant ram, rancher am. <laughs> I did it again. The ancient ram in. Um, since John Humphreys has passed away, his daughter is now in ownership of it. Um, she has plans to keep it up and having investigations done and bring people over and see it. Do you think he's haunting it? I don't know. I mean, he passed away in December, I think, of 2017. Um, and most of the interviews and stuff are investigations that are on YouTube and on TV were all done before he passed away. Um, so I don't know. Um, I did watch one where they did it after he passed away and kept asking, is it John? And they had one of the, um, called the, the spirit box that picks yeah. words out. And uh, most of them sitting around and one laying on the bed with the spirit box. And they kept asking for John and then it would come up with John. I'm John. And they'd ask it questions and it would answer. It was really funny to watch, though, because it kept cu- uh, calling one of the guys a cunt. <laughs> and some other words that it bleeped out, so I couldn't really understand it. But you, they bleeped out the wrong word when the cunt one was said. Well, they called him that a couple times. And I was cracking up watching it. It was the funniest like 20 minutes of the entire like hour and a half of the show. <laughs> now, see, in America, it's it's... it's a lot worse than it is in England. Yeah. So it's just a common thing. I mean, we it's work a, with... It's still a yeah. bad word, yeah. but it's more common. It's, it's the, the oldest more. expletive there is. It was in Shakespeare. But it was... Oh, bullocks. It was yeah. really funny. Because um, like he would, he was the one who was trying to antagonize it. And it would call him out. And earlier they were in the attic and they had the EMF detectors and everything set up. And it would go insane... When he'd be close, like not close to it, but he'd sit on like the side of the room with near it, it would start beeping and going off, and he'd be like, "Do you want me to move?" And it would like an- it would beep with answers. It would do one beep for yes, and sometimes two for no, or it just wouldn't do anything. And they they were talking to it, and he's like, "Do you want me to move?" And it was beep. He's like, "Okay, I'll move," and then he moves, and then it's fine, and it's just answering questions almost. And then he gets up to go check something. And it just starts, 
And it's like, <laughs> do you want me to move? Do you, or, do you not like me? He's beep, 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 beep. And it would stop. <laughs> and it was just funny. It was like, for some reason, it did not like this guy. But it was just really funny to watch. Um, they were English uh, investigators. Um, I think it was one of the first ones on YouTube. Um, it was actually pretty interesting to watch. But it's really funny, I thought. But I would say... For places to go ghost hunt, if I'm ever in England, I really want to go to the Ancient Ram Inn. I think Most Haunted went there, too. And yeah, that's yeah. that has the British lady. and Yeah, she, yeah. she went there, yeah. And, I mean, it is the most haunted place in England, supposedly. So, like I said, hundreds and hundreds of investigators go through yearly. Um, I think there's actually a waiting list to see it or be go inside it and do investigations. But Now, if it was actually part of an ancient pagan ritual site... It would be on what's called a ley line. It, it's actually on the uh, center of crossing two crossing ley lines. Yeah, um, the lay, same ley lines go in with like Stonehenge, and I can't remember. They gave me the names of it, but I honestly can't remember. But it is actually sitting directly on top of the cross of a pair of ley lines. Mm-hmm. Um, that's believed why it's says so much activity, um, and it's also I think part of the reason they believe it's on an ancient pagan. Uh, a ritual site. Um, the area was very strong with the with pagans and stuff like that in the early days. So it's believed that it was built there because it was going to be part of a church. So it was built there to try to cancel out paganism and push in Christianity and stuff. So now, right. I want to make a statement about paganism. The paganism that would have been practiced at this site would not have been satanic paganism because Satan hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the fact that people bring in all this Satan stuff... Well, they to, never said anything about Satan. Well, no, that's what, um, yeah. with Ghost Bros, they brought oh, in yeah. a satanic priest to perform a ritual. And it's like, no, just because it's something pagan doesn't mean it's satanic. You know, like, there's lots of non-satanic pagans out there. Yeah. (laughs) Which they do that a lot in their show. They'll go into these old cathedrals and they'll be like, uh, what's with all these pagan carvings in here? And is is this a devil-worshipping place in disguise? And they just... They're idiots? They're douches, (laughs) like I keep saying. I think they're just... They're just kind of uninformed about it. Yeah, they're they're uneducated. uneducated. Or or it's just... Jinx! Or it's just for... Production value. Yeah. Chad. Oh, Eli. okay. Sorry. We can talk now. <laughs> they were jinxed. We were jinxed. <laughs> but uh, no, this place, it looks creepy. And like I said, they haven't done anything. So the outside of the walls are like the plaster and concrete and mud or whatever it was used to build is crumbling. And it looks like it's about to fall over. But it is, I think it adds to the aspect and the lure of the place. So we need to get to England soon? At some point. I, mean, I don't expect it to fall apart. I have a well. feeling his daughter's <laughs> going to keep it running better than he was. Like I said, he was a hoarder and he could barely move around in these places. Well, so if we're going to see that and then Stonehenge before it gets bulldozed, For we're going to have to go oh, pretty a soon. A bypass. Because <laughs> bypasses have to be built. <laughs> they're getting rid of the Stonehenge? No. no they just they've built the highway under it. pretty close to it. Like they had to cut through a they're stone. F- they're fucking it. with the wrong aliens right now. <laughs> <laughs> Who said it was aliens? 
Bro, that's what I believe. How come we... I bereave it. How is it, is it. Is it not possible that we were just more advanced back then and then... Like the knowledge li- was lost. Knowledge was lost when the Library of Alexandria was burnt down. Think about it like this. Look how I'm many cultures across the world built pyramids. And how many cultures... Because if you look at the ancient beliefs of like the Sumerians and compare it to the ancient beliefs of Native Americans... It's very similar. A lot of snake worship, a whole lot of pantheism. Well, the the ability of them building all these pyramids and ritual buildings on ley lines and you know, perfect mm-hmm. per, uh, like perpendicular and parallel to other buildings from another culture years before, it's just very. It makes me think that there there was more knowledge back then than we know of now. Yeah. Listeners, if you if you want to get you, if you want to see something interesting, look up the Great Circle. There's about eight ancient sites that are all in line with each other around the globe. Yes. Very interesting stuff. It is really cool. We were, we were talking about doing an episode on it, but it would be really hard because it's a very visual type of episode. And since we're and an there's a lot audio of, pod- podcast. And there's a lot of math. So math man would have to be involved. <laughs> math man. <laughs> we should do an le- episode on ley lines also sometime. Yeah. Um, no, that's, I mean that's really it. Um, there's a bunch of like little stories here and there, um, but there's no proof behind anything. It's just kind of like he said, he sh- said, he said, she said, she said, she said, by she the said, she but she said, but she swore. <laughs> Thank you. Um, Does anybody know who burned down Cheryl? She said yet. <laughs> <laughs> she said. I want a she said. I didn't burn down your she said, Cheryl. <laughs> I don't know what that has anything to do. I don't, I don't know. know. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Like, there's a lot of stories. I would suggest if you're interested and you like watching paranormal investigations and stuff, to go to YouTube and type just type in "ancient ram in." Um, I mean, there are hundreds of hours worth of investigations from multiple groups. Uh, the paranormal activity one is on YouTube, but it won't let you watch it unless you pay for it. The ghost adventures. Yeah, you same paranormal paranormal activity. Uh, <laughs> the Ghost Good Adventures movie. episode is on there, but you have to pay for it, and I wasn't paying to watch those douchey bros. So I think they have other oh, on Hulu. Mm-hmm. But I'm not a fan of that show. I just can't stand them. I don't hate that show. That show has entertainment value. I don't. They have been I proven to be frauds. I don't choose it as my my entertainment. Whatever Amy but. feels like just screaming at the TV for half an hour, <laughs> <laughs> she'll flip it on. <laughs> what the hell are y'all doing? Well, that's not how you do that. But no, um, I think almost every single ghost hunting show has been there. I know yeah. Ghost Adventurers was there, Ghost Hunters were there, Ghost Hunters International, I think, went there. Yeah. Um, Most Haunted. I don't, I don't know. There's just like a whole bunch of them. I don't I know if they're just checking it out if you're interested. It was really cool, really fun to watch. Um, I mean, there's just a lot of information on it, but like I said, since it is so old, there's not a whole lot of uh, written um, facts and stuff about it between ownerships and stuff. I mean, the building's uh, a, th- a thousand years old. So well, you start running into almost a thousand years old lore yeah. and myth and legend. I think it runs more off of that than actually being haunted. I think there is activity there. 
but I feel it runs more off of the stories being told. Oh, yeah. Well, like I, I think I said in one of our earlier episodes about the fact that a lot of hauntings just become exaggerated to where, you know, that picture falling off the shelf became that picture was thrown at you. Yeah. You know, so it, it gets exaggerated to those points. Yeah, yeah. And when you've got a thousand years worth of history... That gives a thousand years for that exaggeration to just grow and grow and grow. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing there because I think that there's probably a I'd lot. Say, I hundred percent believe there. there's activity there. Just, I just with think... the age of the building alone, <laughs> there's got to mm. be something. But yeah, it, it, but it, it's very interesting. Um, definitely suggest checking it out. All right, so let's fly back across the pond. <laughs> Who's next? Do we want to <laughs> go? To the Skirvin. We're going to go to the Skirvin. Bringing it back to Oklahoma. We're going to OKC, y'all. O- Oklahoma. All right, the Skirvin. Uh, it was first opened in 1911. Skirvin Hotel contained 220 rooms. We're going to go into history first, and then we'll get into the spooky stuff. Okay? Because mm-hmm. we, we have to know what it was before what it became. Exactly. Okay. First opened in 1911, the Skirvin Hotel contained 220 rooms in an eight-story, two-winged tower. A third 12-story wing was added in 1928, and then in 1930, all three wings were leveled off to 14 floors with a total of 525 rooms. Skirvin. The hotel was named after the founder, William Balzer Skirvin. The hotel ended up being closed in 1988, and stayed closed for 19 years until it was renovated and reopened as a part of the Hilton chain in 2007. They did such things as added elevators and modernized it to a point without losing its charm. It's a really gorgeous hotel. I agree. I've, we were driving around downtown, and it's like, that's a really pretty hotel. Yeah. I really, really want to stay there sometime. Me too. Now, this is a, this is a bit of the, uh, the background story of this, this whole deal. Um, as the story goes, and this is the story of the actual uh, origin of the haunting. Um, as the story goes, Mr. Skirvin had an affair with one of his maids named Effie. I've never heard of a woman named Effie in my entire life. Is it for like Eiffel? Is it short for Eiffel? Or I Eiffel have Tower? heard the name Effie before. Yeah, actually, I, I think it used to be a really common name. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was, I mean, that was a cute name and all, but whatever. Yeah. Cute name. Effie. Effie. Hey, Effie. Sounds like something you name your cow, though. Yeah. Heifer. <laughs> Get over here, heifer. <laughs> what do you want, Pa? Uh, <laughs> sorry. Skirvin had an affair with one of his maids named Effie that resulted in pregnancy. To, to protect his reputation and avoid a scandal, Skirvin locked the maid on the seventh floor. This That's is where it gets... H.H. F- Holmes style stuff This right is there. where it gets fucked up. Uh, Effie became depressed, and even after the birth of the child, was still not let out of the room. She remained locked on the seventh floor. She eventually jumped out of the window, killing her. Now, she's jumping out of the window off off the seventh floor. Okay. Now, I did my research into this, and there was not any kind of documentation, nor like, did it say anything about anybody going... Oh, by the way, a woman jumped off the seventh floor and fell to her death along with her child. There was nothing in newspapers or anything like that. Uh, it wasn't documented. But uh, killing herself and the baby, the innocent, in, not innocent, the in, incident was not covered by the local paper. Now, w- roundabout what year was this? Uh, this was in 19. 
1935, 1940. Now, he was one of the richest men in I'd Oklahoma say, City. Very easy for him to pay off. He could have easily to... paid that off if she was a. You didn't see nothing, you reporter. Exactly. Get on out of here. <laughs> yeah. You see. Um, okay, so here's here's the uh, here's the here's the good 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 if you want to know about it. The locals around <laughs> the locals around Oklahoma know this to be a, a paranormal hot spot. Visitors have claimed to be seen apparitions, the feeling of someone watching them, and physical touch. Some of which are no no touches. <laughs> no, <laughs> Eli's kind of place. <laughs> Sex stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he got touched in the no-no place. She touched the butt. <laughs> Where did the ghost touch you, Tommy? <laughs> show me on the paranormal doll. Show, show me on Paddington Bear. <laughs> Metal World Peace. Where did it touch you? <laughs> the rumors of a haunting in the hotel persists and have been cited by the NBA t- by NBA teams. The most notable examples occurred in 2010 when the New York Knicks uh, famously blamed their loss to the OKC Thunder on the haunting. Effie's a Thunder fan. Hell yeah. Thunder. And for those who don't know, is OKC Thunder purposely, or actually does put up their uh, visiting teams in the Skirvin unless they otherwise request and other places. And a lot of them are otherwise requested. Yeah, a lot of them request other places. But I mean, it is one of the nicest hotels in Oklahoma City, and that's why they put them there. But a lot of them, like I know Metal World Peace um, or Ron Artest or Save the Panda or whatever he changed his name to. <laughs> he literally did change his name into something Panda. Um, but uh, he was touched in his no-no place, his no-no square. And square? His no-no square. And he refuses to stay there. Um, I want to say Pussy. there's actually... I'm not sure if this one's right. I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it was Tim Duncan who actually liked to stay there because he liked the... The no-no touch. <laughs> well, he liked the idea of it being haunted. He kind of liked the paranormal. I believe it was Tim Duncan. It may be somebody else. If there's a listener out there who knows who, which one NBA star it was, but it was an NBA star who actually... Uh, he preferred to stay there over any other place. King James. No. I doubt it. He's too much of a baby. Yeah. He'd be like... I needed my Bible and my cross. <laughs> I feel like I'm possessed by Effie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Nick's lost because of Effie. Effie. Effie's a Thunder fan. That's the moral of the story there. Uh, the Chicago Bulls uh, claimed doors uh, claimed door, doors were slamming without cause, and voices they heard voices outside their rooms. In some renditions of the legend of Effie, the origin of the legend of Effie, uh, Effie was a a loose uh, woman with loose morals. So basically, uh, she was a maid, a whore, a whore, a slut. I, I don't know. In the thirties and forties, a woman with loose morals would be just a woman, a normal person yeah. today. Yeah. Well, like people were very, very judgmental back then. Yeah. I have, I have my uh, my own. She had loose morals because she had a baby out of wedlock. She that had her ears. But, but at the same time, people were really judgmental back then. But everybody was doing that kind of shit. They just weren't. You could shake your caught. kneecap and be like, uh, "Did you see what Sally Joe Johnson did? She showed her kneecaps to the whole family." Becky, look at those ankles. <laughs> She's not even wearing her knee high socks. What kind of shit is that? Did you just hear Ola May say shit? 
And then meanwhile, those same ladies are disappearing for six months to visit family to have abortions <laughs> oh or have a child and then give it up for adoption. Oh, yeah. Okay, so in some renditions of the legend, Effie was a woman of loose morals. So what feeds this uh, other idea is that there were reports of men being... Okay, so this is, this is where it kind of, like, kind of tells a story about, you know... Being, uh, you know, the no no square, the no no squares. Okay, so it's about to get hot. <sighs> God, I need to take my shirt off. Uh, <laughs> so it feeds. Sorry. God damn it, Chad. <laughs> so it feeds this other idea is that there are reports of men being propositioned by female voices uh, while alone in their rooms. Do you want to see my ankles? <laughs> I'll show you the back of my knee. <laughs> You're my sister, no! <laughs> Female voices. <laughs> I'll bet you no, no square for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear a ghost ask to touch a no, no square. <laughs> the exact words. I'll touch your no, no square. <laughs> I want to rip these off now. <laughs> Eli's getting all hot and bothered thinking of a ghost no. wanting to touch his no, no square. Trying not to burp in the mic. Others, <laughs> others claim to see naked women with them while showering. Let's go. <laughs> Yoo-hoo! Chad's already out in Chad the Chad hasn't seen a pair of titties in a while. <laughs> One man claimed to have been sexually assaulted during his stay at the Skirvin by a female partition. Apparition. <laughs> <laughs> female partition. That <laughs> girl will touch me. <laughs> That piece of paper looks like it's a female. (laughs) Surprisingly, the guy still gave it a four out of five stars. He said he would come again. (laughs) All right. One man claimed to have sexually been assaulted during his stay in the Skirvin by a female apparition. Reports of men being propositioned. Okay, yeah, that's not where the fuck I am. Now I can't even read. Thanks, guys. It was after yeah. the partition. <laughs> I mean, apparition. Over the years, the staff had claimed to see things moving, doors slamming, and strange noises at night. Gervin was a known womanizer. His family knew he had mistresses, but claims that they all outlived him. Sounds rather fishy. And cover upish to me. That was a word I coined, by the way, cover upish. Cover upish. Uh, eventually passed away in 1945. Uh, also, uh, it, if it's of any comfort to visiting NBA players who do believe in ghosts, while some tales suggest Effie walks the halls of the 10th floor, pushing a carriage and carrying a baby, other guests have told hotel employees that Effie is more interested in being naughty, appearing to male visitors as they going to bed or taking showers. Okay, so... That female partition looks really good right now. <laughs> if I walk in the house one day and you're just humping the wall, I'll know what the fuck's going on. That's what Lucy's been doing, huh? <laughs> it's that male partition we have in the house. <laughs> Lucy is their dog. Just gonna throw that out there for the listeners. What I think, like, it's kind of hard to believe that the ghost isn't uh, somewhat aggressive. She sounds very saucy. 
<laughs> I'm just very surprised that it just seems to be the one. Well, I find it's just it one. Yeah. I find it interesting that the story is that she died on the seventh floor, but she's, but she's on seen on the tenth floor. Yeah, and the tenth floor didn't even exist. Just, yeah. when she died. Yeah, so that's. Eh, I still want to experience it for myself. Well, you need to go stay on the tenth floor of the Skirvin some night, and then I want you guys to like carry little cameras with you every time you go somewhere. I am not showering with a camera, Amy. <laughs> Sh- shower before you go. But the ghost shows up in the shower. Oh yeah. I guess go- I could shower with like a bathing put, put suit like on. Put a GoPro on your head <laughs> with a mankini on. <laughs> <laughs> you guys want to see banana hammock? <laughs> Ever seen the hairiest banana hammock in the world? And Amy is throwing up right now. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of how many customers, how many customers, how many listeners would pay to see that. If you want to pay to see Chad in a banana hammock, our Patreon is patreon.com. I'm, I'm gagging thinking about it. Slash UMP normalcy. That's just evil. But no, seriously, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting to 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 that there haven't been any kind of like aggressive um, experiences yeah. with Effie because she didn't die in a good way. No. She, would, she died then in a very again, violent way. She got know, freedom. S- sexual assault sounds pretty aggressive to me. I mean. Yeah. If she's touching your no-no square and you're not saying no or you're not saying yes, that is rape and that is aggressive. Yes. But if you're not saying no, then it's enabling her. If you're not saying no, then that's just It's a double whoopee. negative, so you're saying yes. <laughs> she comes up, I'll touch you no no scary but like I'm not saying no. <laughs> Sign here, please. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta make sure she gives consent too. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, t- it's twenty nineteen. Put, put fog percent. on the window and be like, make your mark. <laughs> it's it's twenty nineteen. You have to have consent. All I'm saying is if it goes Effie, I'm pissing my pants right. <laughs> You're in the shower. You don't have, you're not wearing pants. Just let it go. Sorry, I, oh. I pissed on your knee. <laughs> That'd be a fun hotel to play the elevator game in. Oh, there we go. I F- think we talked about doing F- that. Effie'd be there. the one who showed up on the fifth floor. Yeah. How's the elevator game go? I listened to our... Uh, spooky Stories. Spooky Stories episode. Okay. Yeah. It's the first time we talk about Lisa Lamb, and then we go into the elevator game, and don't try it. Or do I? I got a new. Um, did Amy tell you I got a new idea for when we tell scary stories? We're gonna call it Boo Y'all. Boo Y'all. <laughs> Boo Y'all. <laughs> Welcome to Unearthed Paranormalcy. Today we're doing Boo Y'all. <laughs> Boo uh, Y'all. Amy's gonna start. Uh, go ahead, Amy. No. It was a dark and stormy night. You sound like a man, Amy. <laughs> It was a dark and stormy night. <laughs> All right. So, we got anything else about the Skirvin? But I am high chief. What he said. Uh, no, that's about it. Right there for me. So, that's in Oklahoma City. I mean, that's yep. about what? And yet, we haven't gone and stayed there. Like a 20-minute drive from it's here? It's expensive, man. It, it is, is expensive. really expensive, yeah. For, like, we could all go in one room for one night. We'd have to get, like, be... a one bed and just sleep on the floor. Yeah. I call sleeping in the shower. <laughs> And I'm the one who gets wants to get raped by a ghost. If that's where you're, she's seen, I want to see a ghost, okay? <laughs> I didn't say I want to be touched in the no-no square. I D- just want to see the ghost. Dibs on Amy. <laughs> what? what? 
<laughs> dibs. I got dibs. Yeah, Y'all fine. seriously don't know what dibs is? <laughs> <laughs> we know what dibs are, but she's our sister, so <laughs> well, no one else anyway. is calling dibs. <laughs> anyway. Claim. <laughs> I pissed on honey. Therefore, she's my property. <laughs> Do it in old English. I, can. I hereby saith dibs. Dibs. And Dave plants his sword in the ground. And Amy's like, oh, my hero. <laughs> I shall calleth her mine. Um, I can choose for myself. And I don't want either of these two. Yeah. So I would hope not. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I guess it defaults to you. <laughs> yeah. This isn't Game of Thrones, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so boy. we're oh, now going to move from Oklahoma City. <laughs> oh, shit. To, I guess we can start heading west, and we're going to go to Colorado. <gasps> Colorado. The Stanley Hotel was built by Freeland Oscar Stanley, an inventor, entrepreneur, and architect in Estes Park, Colorado. Stanley is best known for the invention of the Stanley Steamer. Stanley Steamer, get your carpet cleaner. A uh, different type of steam. Yeah. It's a, a steam car, a type of steam car. Stanley, being a sufferer of tuberculosis was advised a treatment of fresh, dry air with lots of sunlight and a hearty diet. By 1907, thanks to the land he lived on in Colorado, Stanley recovered completely. Some theorists contend the limestone, quartz, and underground springs on the land aided in his recovery. But that is better discussed in an upcoming episode where we dig into metaphysical healing. Now, the Stanley Hotel opened on July 4th, 1909 as a resort for upper-class Easterners and a health retreat for sufferers of pulmonary tuberculosis. The hotel played host to a string of rich and famous guests, including Theodore Roosevelt, Emperor Hirohito of Japan, Cary Grant, Bob Dylan, and many, many more. The Stanley Hotel served as the inspiration for the Overlook Hotel, in Stephen King's 1977 best-selling novel, The Shining. Stephen and Tabitha King checked into the hotel on the last day of the season. On October 30, 1974, they were the only guests. Having the place to themselves, the couples dined alone in a vast dining hall, listening to a taped orchestra before walking through the long, empty corridors and hallways leading back to room 217. Stephen King himself experienced a nightmare that night, in which his three-year-old son was being chased along the long, dark corridors of an empty hotel. On the balcony, smoking a cigarette and calming his nerves, he came up with the outline of the novel The Shining. Unable to sleep, he found his way to the bar, where he was entertained by the bartender Grady. By dawn... King had his story. Now, Stanley Kubrick's 1977 film The Shining was not filmed at the Stanley Hotel. It was filmed on a sound studio. Even the exterior shots were of a completely different hotel in Oregon. Stephen King was disappointed in Kubrick's version, but King finally saw his vision of the story portrayed 17 years later in a 1997 TV miniseries 
written and produced by the King of Horror that was in fact filmed at the Stanley Hotel. Today, the hotel features a restaurant, spa, and bed and breakfast, and provides guided tours. The Stanley Hotel offers historical tours daily and paranormal tours nightly. The hotel's website advertises their paranormal tours. Immerse yourself in the same rich story of the historic Stanley Hotel after dark. This 75-minute walking tour will introduce you to Mr. F.O. Stanley, his wife Flora, Stephen King, and other noteworthy visitors of the last 110 years. The Stanley Night Tour is a unique way to experience the hotel's history, architecture, folklore, and pop culture with a knowledgeable storyteller under the ambiance of midnight time in the Rocky Mountains. Each tour offers you opportunities to explore, ask questions, and perhaps leave with a few stories of your own. Get touchied in the no-no place. (laughs) I don't know about all that. Now, the prices of the Paranormal Tour are $28 per person, with a $3 discount for guests of the hotel. That's actually not bad at all. That's really not. The hotel has also become renowned by specialists and experts in the field of paranormal investigation as one of the nation's most active sites. Countless guests have attested to eerie occurrences that cannot be discounted. Lights turning on and off, doors opening and closing... Laughter, footsteps, shadows, drafts, unexplainable chills, and smells. Was that drafts or giraffes? Drafts. <laughs> they have giraffes? <laughs> I was kind of excited about the giraffe part. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Lenny, is that a giraffe down. I see? <laughs> Unexpected giraffe. <laughs> I think seeing a giraffe in the standing hotel, no matter what, would be unsuspecting. Unsuspecting? Uh, unexpected. <laughs> That's worth $28. <laughs> now, many guests, <laughs> many guests have reported ghosts in their rooms and in Hotel employees have heard the sounds of a party and a piano playing in the ballroom when it was void of the living. Mr. Stanley has been captured in photographs in the billiards room, which, while alive, was one of his favorite haunts. Ha, ha, ha. Eerie photographs have also been taken on the grand staircase of the hotel's lobby, a place that has been named the Vortex. Staff can attest to at least four spirits that regularly roam the hotel's corridors, halls, and rooms. Elizabeth, Paul, Lucy, and Eddie. Did they ask the ghosts their names and this is what they said? Or is this just, I'm going to call you Lucy. (laughs) Yeah, the names have been retrieved through um, metaphysical spiritual communication, like psychics and mediums and stuff, and um, as well as... um, uh, physical, spiritual communication, like EVPs, disembodied voices, things like that. For a minute, though, when you started with the name Paul, I was like, Paul, Ringo, John, <laughs> <laughs> the Beatles, Lucy, Lucy in the sky with diamonds. She was a ghostwriter. Get it? A ghostwriter. Now, Elizabeth Wilson was the chief housekeeper in the early 1900s. During a storm in the winter of 1911, while lighting the lanterns in room 217, an explosion caused her to fall through the floor. She was alive, but suffered broken ankles from the stop at the end of the fall. 
She is believed to be an entity that moves items, unpacks luggage, and turns the lights on and off in room 217. Then there's Paul, who's described as a jack-of-all-trades. He worked at the Stanley Hotel from 1995 to 2005. One of Paul's responsibilities was to enforce the hotel's 11 p.m. curfew. In 2005, he began suffering chest pains and died of a heart attack while en route from the hotel to the hospital. Staff and guests report to hear a feigning and ominous disembodied voice saying phrases like, Leave. Get out. Time to go. In the after hours. There is also reports of the sound of keys jingling attributed to him. A construction worker sanding the floor years ago believes Paul was bold enough to physically nudge him to the door after feeling two arms pull him back. Paul is also known to flicker the flashlights of touring groups. Then we kind of got a sad one with Lucy. Lucy wanders the concert hall, tampering with lights and lifting spirits. She's been known to actively communicate with and answer questions from staff and parapsychologists via flashlights. She has also been captured in photographs wearing a pink dress. Her story and connection to the hotel remain unclear. She might have been a runaway or a homeless girl who found refuge in the abandoned at the time concert hall, then was forced from the property to ultimately die of exposure from the cold Colorado winter. However, deeper investigations by resident paranormal investigator Connor Randall has determined her entire backstory was a fabrication. Randall is best known as the creator of the Estes Method, which is a new way to make contact with spirits. I think we might dig deeper into this method on a future episode. Employees insist Lucy's presence and distant melonious humming lightens the energy and mood wherever she lingers. Connor Randall theorizes Lucy could be a thought-form entity such as a servitor or a tulpa. I have to admit, the thought-form theory kind of fits. She has a made-up backstory, a distinct personality, and a purpose. And how many child spirits can you think of that people describe as friendly, kind, and comforting, and not as absolutely menacing and terrifying? Yeah. Kid spirits usually are pretty creepy. Yeah. And they tend to mess with you more, like play games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, Eddie was initially associated with a foul odor, earning him the nickname Smelly Man. <laughs> <laughs> Skunk ape. Now, now, Eddie also excudes more pleasant smells. Whereas Lucy causes comfort, his presence seems to cause discomfort. According to visiting psychics and mediums, this could possibly be due to a life of hardship. More recently, he has since lightened up, engages in pranks, and is often suspected of stroking the hair and kissing the cheeks of female guests. I want to go there. I figured I'd play Eli's part. Hi, Eli. (laughs) Welcome to the show. We should just put Eli in a wig. Yeah, there we go. We can can come out those curls and get you a straightener. Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) Aww. Now, Eddie began visiting the hotel just a few years ago, and like Lucy, has no known connection to the property. Connor Randall, who I mentioned earlier, has attested that Eddie has followed him home many times. 
It seems with the Stanley Hotel that the known spirits here are not trapped on the property due to violent death, or any death on the property for that matter, which is usually a key concept to most intelligent haunting stories. Other phenomena not necessarily attributed to these suspects has been reported throughout the property. The sounds of partygoers, bygone celebrations, and children laughing on the fourth floor, where children of the staff and nannies once stayed, can often be heard. Come play with us. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Come, Charlie. Room 418 is said to be the room most haunted by these spirit children. There are also reports of a cowboy spirit on this floor who watches guests sleep and has been known to kiss the forehead of women. Yeehaw! Now, more residual haunting phenomena has been reported over the years as well. A handful of the paranormal incidents can be attributed to breezes, old wood framing, piping, or ventilation systems. It has been suggested that a high concentration of quartz, limestone, and magnetite belief beneath the hotel affects either the property's energy or gravitational forces and or is conducive to residual haunting or captured energy. However, prior to 2008, now I'm not sure the exact date, but the earliest article I could find with the information I'm about to present was dated the 29th of October 2008. The U.S. Geographical Survey was brought in at the request of the Rocky Mountain Paranormal Research Society when they themselves could not find any geographical surveys of the area around the hotel. A survey was conducted, and they concluded there is no quartz, no limestone, and no magnetite in the ground or around the area where the hotel is built. Well, that just, like, ruins all of the stories. I mean, even his tuberculosis healing. Well, tuberculosis healing, back in the day, was believed that going to higher altitudes would help you. Yeah, fresh dry air. Yeah. Yeah. So in addition to spirits not trapped due to death, the minerals in the ground do not seem to factor on their presence. The haunting here seems to be something that does not fit into the theories given by many parapsychologists and paranormal investigators over the years. The Stanley Hotel has appeared in shows such as Ghost Adventures and Ghost Hunters, where the lead investigator Jason Hawes had a glass on his nightstand crack not long after the closet door opened and closed on its own in room 401. That's actually one of my... My all-time favorite episodes. Yeah. It was a Halloween special, wasn't it? They did a 24-hour... The the, the, they've live. been there a couple times. But that way, did it, did it, <laughs> they did do one of their live Halloween yeah. shows there. Yeah, I remember, we watched that one that yeah. year. Uh-huh. I remember watching it. And yeah, because you see the closet door open. And what he does, he set like a, a ring on the end table. Um, and then, yeah, the, you hear, like, you see the glass move. And then you see the closet door like almost slam, but not quite like, move quickly and close. And then you see him get up, like it wakes him up. And he sees that the glass is broken. And he gets up and he opens the closet and like walks in the closet to make sure there's no hidden doors or anything. Yeah, it was really interesting. One of my favorite episodes. Now some people say that it that it shattered or exploded, but and I and I said that it cracked, but uh, there was actually a like a it chunk a of chunk. it. There was yeah. a chunk of it. Took it out of it. It was like the top. Rim of the glass just broke. broke. Yeah. 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 
almost like whenever you apply like high heat to glass right on the edge and then yeah. it just cracks and breaks. Or like if you were squeezing it. Yeah. 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 No ghost blood was found, though. <laughs> <laughs> no ectoplasm. No. And in addition to serving as the Overlook Hotel in Stephen King's novel and 1997 TV miniseries The Shining, it also served as a fictional Hotel Danbury of Aspen, Colorado in the 1994 film Dumb and Dumber. Jim Carrey also was said to have stayed in room 217 around this time. He requested a room change sometime after midnight. He has never explained why. I have a theory I might get into later about that. But first, I want to point out that in over 600 Yelp reviews, there is a common occurrence of people describing the furniture, painting frames, and many other decorations and amenities as not being antique, but modern, made to look antique. I bring this up because of the theory among researchers of the paranormal that spirits attach themselves to objects, especially objects of antiquity. The paranormal activity at the Stanley Hotel seems to not fit this theory either. Overall, I agree with the Rocky Mountain Paranormal Research Society when they say, the reported paranormal activity needs to be looked out again without the inclusion of these claims. I think we go back to the lion's... They're not the lions. The old, the ancient Rams Inn, where these stories have turned into legend because of the movie, because of the history of the location. So now, the legend has outgrown the actual events. Mm -hmm. So, whereas I believe it is haunted. Oh, me too. I don't believe that the stories are true. And well, with them doing these, you know, paranormal investigations on a nightly basis and everything, these people who are staying there who do those things, their mind starts to wander and things start to happen because they just went through a 75-minute tour talking about the paranormal. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely. Mean, we did our uh, Haunted Norman thing, and when I got home that night, like I kept hearing things, and I was like, now my mind's just thinking of it because we just talked about it for an hour Even if half. I'm watching like Ghost Hunters or some paranormal show, I have that like on edge yeah. when I, like, after I'm done watching it. I found some Yelp reviews of the Stanley Hotel. I chose a few based upon the date of the review as well as details provided. One five-star review from March 23rd, 2019 read, We took a tour of the Stanley Hotel and enjoyed strolling this landmark facility. While they capitalize on the fact the book and movie The Shining was inspired by the hotel, there is more to learn about the Stanley family and their impact on the entire Estes Park community. We enjoyed learning the history of the family and the hotel. The tour cost felt a little steep, but did not disappoint. The groups are kept small, ten folks or so, and the guide, Lillian, knew her stuff. We were transported back in time for an hour or so, and a degree of elegance we rarely see these days. The views around the hotel are incredible, and the Stanley is a wonderful landmark that helps give this town its charm. Now the next <clears throat> is a three-star 
from the 26th of March, 2019. We stayed in the famous room 217. Never stopped to consider that everyone comes to the hotel to view this frickin' door. From 10 p.m. to 3 a.m., when we actually tried to sleep and enjoy the room, there were countless groups, growing increasingly intoxicated, that were outside banging, knocking, and yelling to our door. We were open to a spiritual-slash-paranormal experience, but I'm not sure how possible it is with the notoriety of the room. The hotel doesn't seem to do anything to control that experience for guests who are paying. We paid $400 plus for the room. I didn't mind the tours that showed up. You can hear everything through the walls and doors. It's an older hotel. But at least with your guides, there was a sense of control and respect. As the night carries on, there's absolutely no control throughout the hotel. And this might be a plausible theory as to why Jim Carrey could not stay in the room all night. Because if you remember, Paul was not hired until 1995 to enforce the hotel's 11 p.m. curfew. And if Carrey was needed on set the following day to play Lloyd Christmas, he would need a good night's sleep. (laughs) The other thing with that, too, is the fact that it's Jim Carrey. If people knew that Jim Carrey was in the hotel and Jim Carrey was... On that floor, in that room. Yo, Carrie, you in there? Are there yeah. any ghosts in there, Carrie? Yeah. <laughs> That's probably where he got one of his uh, his animations right there. Yeah. He's currently possessed by 35 different ghosts. <laughs> because he didn't leave the hotel. He just went and asked for another room. Oh, right. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's the Notorious Stanley Hotel. I want to go visit place there. I really want to stay. Now, when you're sitting there talking about the Stanley Hotel, I realize... Your hotel and Chad's hotel both embrace their their hauntedness. Embrace oh, yeah. their history. And they capitalize on that. Eli had the Skirvin. The Skirvin does not want anything to do with the hauntings. They're owned by Hilton. Yeah. Like uh well, I mean they don't want it, you know. Their touchy feely ghost to uh, ruin their reputation. Well, there was uh, medium uh, Chip Coffee. He was coming to Oklahoma to do a ghost tour. The original spot was going to be the Skirvin. And I was really excited because I wanted to do it. But then it changed last minute because the Skirvin did not want to be associated with the paranormal. And it was changed to the zoo because apparently the aquarium at the zoo was haunted. But um, it is, I isn't mean, it? It's yeah. one of those things. Allegedly. They don't want someone getting touched by the ghost who doesn't want to be, and they don't want to get in trouble by people who go looking to get touched by a ghost and nothing happens. Yeah. I paid $500 to stay in this room tonight, and no one came and touched me. (laughs) I didn't get as much as a handy. Like the Skirvin. Zero stars. (laughs) My hotel does not want to be known for what it's known for. In fact, it it changed its name because it didn't want to be known for what it's known for. Mm, and we're said. going a little further west, Los Angeles, California, to the Hotel Cecil, or the Cecil Hotel, or currently the Stay on Main. Although I actually believe it may have been shut down completely, and they're going to remodel it into... A casino. A, another hotel. Another hotel. Yeah. 
now. So bring on the Cecil. So the Cecil Hotel, or Hotel Cecil. In 1924, construction began at 640 South Main Street in Los Angeles, California by William William Banks Hanner. With its Art Deco architecture, marble lobby, stained glass windows, and alabaster statues, Hotel Cecil quickly became a traveler destination for tourists and businessmen alike. One thing Hanner didn't see coming was the Great Depression. During this time, this area of L.A. began to to crumble and soon became one of the city's most impoverished areas. With high crime rates and an increase in homelessness, Main Street got the name Skid Row. The Cecil Hotel became a place for rooms by the hour and low-budget living. In 2011, the Cecil underwent a new change. The name changed to the Stay on Main as part of the gentrification of downtown. You mean the hiding of their history. Yeah. The hotel still sports the most beautiful marble lobby and alabaster statues. But that's where the elegance seems to end. The hotel has several small rooms with communal bathrooms. But for an extra fee, you can have your own private bathroom. Guests have posted pictures on Google and Yelp of their stays here at the Stay on Main. Most of them talk about the strange feeling of being alone in the 600-room hotel. Maybe this is part of why the Cecil Hotel has experienced so much death. Or maybe, with all the death, it feels empty. Death, you say? Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't find a whole bunch of ghost stories, but I found a lot of haunting stories. And there is a lot, a lot of documented death in and around the Cecil Hotel. I don't want to stay there. Yeah, I don't either. Like, of all these hotels, this is the one that I don't want to stay at. I want my own pisser without paying for it. Exactly. You don't want to go down to the end of the hallway and share it with your, your nasty I didn't go neighbor. to a certain college because it had communal <laughs> bathrooms. I've been there and I've done that. Barracks. Yeah. Army. Yep. Army barracks. He walked away without getting something, right? Yeah. No, no female partitions to touch him. <laughs> No females in the building at all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. The, Su- the, the Cecil got its reputation as the Suicide Hotel when, on November 19th, 1931, a guest named W.K. Norton died in his room after taking poison capsules. The deaths just continue from there. September 1932. A maid found Benjamin Duitch, 25, dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound to the head. He left no suicide note. July 1934. Formal Army Medical Corp Sergeant Louis D. Borden, 53, was found dead in his room, his throat slashed with a razor. Borden left several notes one of which cited poor health as the reason for his suicide. He cut his own throat open? Mm-hmm. Wow. March. That's a terrible way to yeah. suicide. He was a medic, too. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess... He probably knew exactly where to do it. He probably knew exactly oh, yeah. where and how deep to go. But. Yeah. 
Now, March 1937, Grace E. Margot fell from the ninth store window. Her fall was broken by the telephone wires, which were wrapped around her body. She later died at the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Police were unable to determine whether Margot's death was a result of accident or suicide. January 1938, Marine Fireman Roy Thompson, 35, jumped from the Cecil's top floor and was found in the skylight of the neighboring building. He was staying in the Cecil for several weeks. May 1939, Navy officer Edwin C. Nedblit, 39, was found dead in his room after ingesting poison. January 1940, teacher Dorothy... Siegler, 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 I don't know. I can't say her last name. I apologize. 45 ingested poison. The LA Times reported that her reported her to be near death, but no further port reports were ever found. So I don't, we don't know for sure if she died or not. Um, September, 1944, Dorothy Jean Purcell, 19 was sharing a room with a shoe salesman, Ben Levine, 38, Purcell, who had been unaware she was pregnant, went into labor. Purcell later testified that she did not want to disturb the sleeping Levine, so she went into the bathroom where she gave birth to a baby boy. Thinking the baby was stillborn, she threw him out the window, where he landed on the roof of the adjacent building. Purcell was later charged with the murder, but found not guilty by reason of insanity. What the fuck? (laughs) I am never staying at this. Place. We're only in 1944, bro. I know. Bro, we have poison, poison, gunshot, stab wound, poison, poison, jump, jump, fell, jump, jump, fell, thrown, thrown. Like this is kind of stupid, to be honest with you. Who who used to sell poison in capsule form back then? I don't know. He, that's there's a guy in the corner. Odd. He's like, hey, yo, I got what you need. God, which you want to die a painful death? I'm starting to think, do they start selling this in the gift shop? (laughs) (laughs) Come get your poison. Come get your poison. Kill yourself with poison. And a straight razor. (laughs) No, give it to him like a gift basket. There's a gun, a straight razor, some poison. (laughs) A rope. (laughs) Ah, jinx. Pick your death. All right, November 1947. Robert Smith died after jumping from one of the seventh floor windows. They needed all these windows shut. Fuck, man. Jesus. October 22nd, 1954. Ellen Gurneen, 55, jumped from the window on her seventh floor room and landed on top of the Cecil Marquis. She had been registered at the hotel under the name Margaret Brown. February 11th, 1962. Julian Francis Moore, 50, jumped from the window on the eighth floor and landed on the second story interior well. Is this place owned by like, the mafia or something? And then they just off everybody who stays there? It's Skid Row. So she did not leave a suicide note, but among her possessions were a bus ticket from St. Louis, 59 cents in change, and a bank book showing a balance of $1,800. October 12th. That's a lot in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. October 12th, 1962. Now, this story is messed up. Pauline Otten, 27, jumped from the window in her, on her ninth floor room after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. Otten landed on a pedestrian. George Ganini, 65, both of them were killed instantly. 
the police thought that they had jumped out together or had been thrown out together. It was the fact that George's hands were still in his pocket and his shoes were still on his feet where they determined that he was actually just walking by and she fell on him. He had a broken neck. She had all of her bones broken. That's some good forensics. Especially for 62. Mm -hmm. Especially in L.A. June 4th, 1964. Hotel employees discovered Pigeon Goldie Osgood, a retired telephone operator, dead in her room. She had been raped, stabbed, beaten, and her room had been ransacked. Osgood was well known, a well-known resident in the area and got her nickname because she fed the birds um, in the square. Her murder is still unsolved. At least we know that's a murder. Na- November, no, sorry, December 20th, 1975. An unidentified woman jumped from her 12th floor window onto the Cecil's second floor roof. February 19th, 2013. The body of Elisa Lamb, 21, was discovered in one of the water supply tanks on the roof. We'll go into more detail about that one here in a bit. So I have a question. With so many people jumping off the roof, why haven't they put a fucking net out yet? Oh, I'm going to get into some more of that, too. I'm going to get there. All right, June 13th, 2015. The body of a 28-year-old male was found outside of the hotel. There, was, there is reason to believe he committed suicide by jumping from the hotel, but the county coroner informed the L.A. Times that the cause of death could not be determined. Now, if you will notice, there was a gap between 1975 and 2013. Quite a large gap considering every other one, it was like a year or two. But that does not mean that there were not deaths during those years. They just put inflatable uh, toys <laughs> along the building. So people jumped, they just fell onto it. It's a big boy bounce house. <laughs> well, from 1984 to 1985, the city of L.A. was terrorized by the Night Stalker. Richard Ramirez, during this time, had been reported to have lived in the Cecil Hotel while he was committing the murders. I was about to ask me when you said the pigeon lady. I was like, Richard Ramirez. I was like, wait, I don't think the dates are right. No. But. Then, in 1991, around the area of the Cecil Hotel, there was an increase in the deaths of prostitutes. It was discovered that Jack Unterweger was staying at the Cecil. Unterweger was a, con- a convicted of murder in Austria in 1974 and was released as an example of rehabilitation. Great job. Unterwinger became a writer, and under the guise of writing a story about the crime in L.A., he gained the trust of the LAPD and went along on ride-alongs where he interviewed prostitutes and drug dealers um, in the Skid Row area. Little did the... (laughs) So So tell me. When are you here alone again? <laughs> <laughs> Little did police know, Unthevager was fascinated by the Knox Night Stalker case and was trying to leave his own mark in the L.A. crime history by killing the prostitutes by, and strangling them with their own bras. It has also been reported that in January of 1948, Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia, uh, was seen her last day at the Cecil Hotel in the bar. 
but that still remain is still disputed. So could just be legend or rumor, but that is associated with it. Now I'm going to go back to Elisa Lamb because we talked a little bit about Elisa Lamb when we did our scary stories episode and we talked yeah, about the elevator, elevator game. game yeah. Her story gained worldwide. worldwide attention from the video of her in the elevator. Yeah. And yes, her activity is very strange in that elevator. I think she also was bipolar and it kind of does look like maybe somebody who's going through a psychotic break. I don't know for sure there, but there have been many people who have gone to the Cecil hotel since then because of Elisa lamb who have said that on the top floor, there is an open window. There a window that remains open to get out onto the fire escape. You can still get to the roof to this day without going through the alarm door. People probably go up there and smoke because you can't smoke inside anywhere in yeah. California. Yeah. The window stays open. I'm starting to think this place is like a government conspiracy, uh, government <laughs> cover up for like uh, meant like co- like biological warfare or something. All right, now and you're gonna say that I'm gonna take that and I'm gonna turn it into this. During the time that Elisa Lamb was found dead, there had been a TB outbreak, tuberculosis outbreak in the area of Skid Row in Los Angeles. The test used to determine the type of tuberculosis or the, ter- the test for the tuberculosis is named Lamb Elisa. Really? And <laughs> I'm swear this place is just a government cover up for like them doing crazy things for all these people jumping out of the building or taking poison because we know that sold at Walgreens. It might actually be. But <coughs> like all these things, all these deaths, something has to be going on there. There's either a demonic possession. That's what I was going to go with. thing going on that's frying people's brains and causing these things or some kind of mood enhancing or changing experiments going on in that mm, place. There has to be like- I will never... I, I don't even know I want to drive by it, let alone go into it. Yeah. Well, when I, because I had not heard that thing about the tuberculosis test, and when that's I was, just a really weird coincidence, or there's something else there. Yeah, like that was like what, really? Because that'd be like honestly, like you know how you got, you know, white doctors and stuff and things. It's always last name first, and then first name. It's like that would just be like someone like, well, this is. This case started because of this person, Lisa Elisa Lamb. So, but you know, they read it backwards, so it's Lamb Elisa. Like that's just weird. Yes, and I yeah. mean it's spelled the exact same way, just Lamb Elisa. There's something there. Um, but yeah, no. Um, Good. Uh, I was just gonna say there. There has to be some sort of like, because like the incident with the the uh, the wife and the argument with their estranged husband, and they're going, oh, I guess I'm just gonna jump out the window, like. That that's that's attitude altering right there. So I feel like there's yeah. more. I don't. I'm not sure. I would say like haunting things. I feel like there's something going on though in that building. There's something about that place that's causing this. I don't think it's just randomly happening. And a lot of these people seem like I mean naval officers, firemen, like uh, 
United States Air Force, Armed Forces firemen and retired officers and all this. Don't, I mean, not saying I know everyone's alive, but don't really sound like the people who would be jumping out of buildings and well, slitting and their throats. Well, that's why and, I pointed out yeah. <clears throat> that people who stay there say that it feels very lonely in the hotel, even though there's 600 rooms and you can hear TVs on the other sides of walls. It still feels very lonely. And that takes me back to some documentaries I saw on the suicide forest in Japan where they say that it's so quiet in there and it's you get disoriented because of the way sound works in there. And it makes me wonder if maybe that same kind of thing is going on at the Cecil to where it's disoriented people to where they basically snap and go crazy. Yeah. And there's so many that are jumping to their deaths. It's like, well, maybe. You ever heard of the the Amityville murders? Now, somehow he was able to shoot everybody in the house with a high-powered rifle, and nobody in the neighborhood was able to hear it. Furthermore, there was actually a police officer who was watching either, I think, a neighboring house, like on a stakeout. So he was wide awake, and he didn't hear any gunshots either. Yeah. So it's... That kind of plays into that also. <clears throat> I'm going to jump real back to the Lisa Lamb, the Lamb Lisa test. It is a test to determine D- TB um, in HIV infected patients. So okay. that's what it's used for. Government conspiracy. Now, you heard it here. When we go to ghost stories. There are people who report seeing apparitions and hearing noises and things like that in the hotel. There's a picture that's on the internet of an apparition taken from one of the like seventh or eighth floor's windows. The only real ghost story that I found and read was a woman talking about a story her father had told her when he stayed at the hotel. So he stayed at the hotel in 1965, which was a year after the... Pigeon Goldie Osgood was found strangled in her room, or found raped and stabbed and beaten. And she was also strangled, apparently. Um, But her father said that he was staying in a room at the Cecil, and he woke up in the middle of the night with, felt like somebody strangling him and holding him down on the bed. And he couldn't move, and he couldn't get away. And... You know, he was about to pass out and he was finally able to get free and he just got up and left. He didn't stay the rest of the night there. But it was ex- almost exactly a year after Goldie had been killed. Can I get an early checkout? Yeah. <laughs> so. Sure, what's the complaint? I almost died. Okay, yeah. That happens a lot. So, I don't know. There could be a correlation there. I... From the pictures of this place, I wouldn't want to stay there. The rooms look nasty. They are teeny tiny. Like, it's really deceiving, too. share bathrooms. Well, it's really deceiving because downstairs in the lobby, it is absolutely exquisite and it's gorgeous. And then you get up to these rooms and, like, there was one picture, one set of pictures I was looking at and they were doing the Elisa Lamb tour, basically. And they were in the elevator and they took pictures of the buttons. You can't see the numbers on the buttons. So I was like, well, that makes sense why she bent down and bent over looking at him. She didn't have her glasses on. She probably couldn't see the buttons. Yeah. Because <laughs> you can't, I mean, the numbers are all worn off on it. 
Yeah, that's um, very plausible. Just, I don't know. Like, the hallway, I mean, the hallways look clean, but the rooms just, they're tiny. Like, they're no bigger than, like, one of our little bedrooms here at this house. And they've got, you know, if anywhere from a twin to a queen-size bed in them. And then there's, in all of them, they have this ha- red hand chair from, like, Ikea that's sitting in the corner of the room. And I'm like, that just makes it creepy as shit. <laughs> <laughs> but, Come here, I'll help you jump out the window. <laughs> I'll give you a push. Maybe that's it. Maybe the the hand chairs are pushing people from the window. But I don't know. There hasn't been anything since 2015. I think they just have an eject button down at the front desk. And someone comes like, oh, crap, we need an extra room. Hang on. Ah! <laughs> yep, room 225 just opened up. So they've at least done something to where the windows don't open anymore. I can't guarantee that. Because you said the only the only window that does open is up on the. No, I didn't say it was top. the only window. They're just it's oh. always open. It's oh, never it's always closed. Open. Yeah, that just sounds like an OSHA violation to me. Well, then there's also there was one mm-hmm. lady that was she was doing like a video tour through it, and no, yeah, she was doing like a video tour through it, and. She started out on like the ninth floor and somehow ended up on the 10th floor. She had no clue how she got up to the 10th floor. Really? And I'm like, that's interesting. Mind altering experiments. Yeah. MK Ultra is live and well in the. And they're just working the out the Cecil Hotel. Hotel. <laughs> and the ones they can't brainwash, they throw off the building or get poisoned. Yeah, man, that one just fucks with me though. <laughs> Damn, I'm glad we saved that one for last. Well, and I told you that there was not a whole lot of like ghost stories with it, but there was a lot of death. I don't know how you went two weeks without talking about this. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm I know. freaking out right now. Like my brain's hurting. I could not shut up about the Stanley Hotel. <laughs> That's why I haven't talked about it because all I've been hearing about is the Stanley Hotel. No, I mean. I told you there's a lot of death involved. Yeah, I didn't think. Uh, and I told you about the Elisa list Lamb from... and the Lamb Elisa. Yeah. That just blew my mind. The Lamb Elisa thing, I was like, what? That's not a coincidence. Like, yeah. That can't be a coincidence. That There has to be something to that. Now, also, I don't know if, I don't remember if we talked about it on the episode or not, but there's also a movie called Dark Water that is based in a hotel. Like a residential hotel or an apartment type thing, mm-hmm. where the characters are Ce- or Cecilia and Dahlia, and they have this water or black liquid that's leaking from their roof, and come to find out that there was a body of a girl in the water tank, and it was leaking down. And this came out a few years before Elisa Lamb was found dead. Really? So, going to my conspiracy, if Lisa Lim had an HIV contracted tuberculosis kind of thing, being put in the water system of the hotel as she deteriorates and degrades, but that's not the word I was looking for. Decomposes. Would that be a way of spreading HIV? And tuberculosis. I mean, if she had HIV, if she was laying, if, it would be yes. If she was there, she was there for like a, like ten days or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
government conspiracy. Government <laughs> killed Lisa Lamb, threw her in the water. How old was Lisa? To spread HIV and tuberculosis throughout Wee the people staying in the hotel. Something. Early 20s. Well, does, doesn't syphilis have a mind-altering effect if it's not treated? Yes. Okay. Well, I don't think Elisa Lamb had any of that stuff. We but don't know. We but don't know. obviously, the Lamb-Elisa test is to test for tuberculosis in HIV patients. Yes. So that, into her drowning, into decomposing in I water. I want to take you back to that TV show called American Gods. Yeah. And this is totally something that would happen in American Gods. I've been watching the TV show. I'm see I'm haven't watched season 2 yet because I'm waiting for it all to be aired, but. but Yeah, I mean, like I said that blew my mind. Like of all of all of the deaths, I mean the one with the lady who fell out onto the pedestrian, I I just so they're thinking what luck. That honestly, the when I've been <laughs> to Chicago and I've been to New York, that was honestly my biggest fear. I wasn't worried about getting mugged. I was more worried of walking through these tall buildings and someone just jump and land on top of me by accident and kill me. Kill yeah. me. But yeah, then the Elisa Lamb thing blew my mind, and <coughs> and the cops watching me now that I'm cu- uncovering this government conspiracy. <laughs> well, you're not the first one because it's all over the internet. Oh, okay. So then I'm safe. Yeah, mind explosion. <laughs> But that is the Cecil Hotel, or Hotel Cecil, or Stay on Main. Remind me to never go there. Yeah. Now, Stanley, Skirvin, Ram Inn, yeah, I want to go. Cecil, I don't want to be within 10 blocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, so one of the theories about the Cecil is that it's demonic possession that's causing these people to do that. Again, I don't believe in demons, so I don't believe in demonic possession. So I don't believe that that happens. But... There's definitely something in the air, in the water. Something's in the water, <laughs> all right. It's a dead body. But there's a lot of coincidences with Elise Lamb. And that's one of the things that people say, well, maybe it was a, a killer that was trying to reenact the movie. Yeah. But that doesn't explain the damn tuberculosis test. Yeah, that's really yeah, that's weird. wild. I think that will do it for our haunted hotels, unless anybody has anything else to add. Yeah, I mean, when you're out there and you're you're traveling this country, or you're you're in England and you're traveling this summer on vacation, maybe check out a few of these spots. Yeah, stay over and stay mm. away from the Cecil Hotel unless <laughs> yeah. you like to jump. <laughs> and then and then yeah, email us your uh, experience with it if you want yeah, at umpnormalcy at gmail dot com. There are a lot of other haunted hotels as well that are out there. I know there's a few more in Oklahoma that we will eventually cover. Yeah. We'll if eventually cover more of if them. If you're a listener and there's you know some haunted hotel or something like that near you uh, and you want us to talk about it, uh, send us an email or hit us up on one of the social media sites and we can do some uh, digging into it and get it on a future episode. You can follow us at UNP Normalcy. And we're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And like Dave said, our email is umpnormalcy at gmail.com. And as I plugged earlier, our Patreon is patreon.com backslash umpnormalcy. If you have it in your heart to help us with this podcast and the cost of producing the podcast, we would. Or if you just want to see me in a banana hammock. Yeah. I don't know why anyone would be paid to see that, but. Um, Swing on over there. We've got some extra content on there. 
if you find it in your heart to go to wherever you got this podcast from and rate it and review us, we would greatly appreciate from some five-star reviews. If you don't have a five-star review, email us. Let us know what we can do to earn a five-star review. And until next time. Keep digging.